So Jason, you've been at the racetrack for the last four days. Oh, four days, four days of just, I'm so grinded. I'm so in the, in the sand right now, Craig. I, uh, yeah, four days. Welcome to everybody to the podcast, obviously. And, um, I was out there Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and yesterday I got absolutely just smoked into the, into the ground because Joe Roberts came out. So I got to ride with him a bit yesterday, which was a lot of fun. He just came out cause he's looking for some time to, you know, some of that quality track time before he heads overseas. And, um, our Tuesdays out there that you're going to get to see our Mondays and Tuesdays now are, are pretty fun. GW, you're going to, you're going to see how that works, but yeah, I'm smoked today. So, so how is Joe Roberts? I mean, how's he doing? Obviously we want to catch up with him on the podcast. We haven't had him on in a little while, but did you guys actually get on the track and ride together? Oh yeah. No, dude, he, to me, I mean, look, Joe's always been great with me. He is 100% quality. Um, he's, he's on my schedule too. He rolled in about 11 o'clock, which I liked. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's on my schedule. So he had a D he had a Ducati, um, before S I guess it is the same one that I, that Kyle has, um, Wyman that, that, that got delivered to Kyle a couple of weeks ago. If you've been following Kyle on Instagram. Um, so he was out there and he was just, he just wants to get out there and do laps. You know, he wants to burn fuel, which just keep himself sharp. So He's just a quality dude, man. Like, he's just so cool. Like, you know, he comes in our garage. I put him in the garage for the day just to hang out. And, you know, he's just great with all of our friends. And um, and then, yeah, you know, I got to go ride the kit bike that I have and go out and ride with him um, a little bit. And it's just fun. Just when you see somebody like that, that's that's where he's at in his game. Um, he's very excited about getting overseas. Uh, he leaves in a couple of weeks for Portugal. Might even get one more day with him on the track, which will be fun because – um, you know, we've got quite the motorcycle community out there now at Chuck Walla. It's incredible. And so now any days that don't get taken, uh, a lot of these guys are scooping them up like, Hey, let's get together and ride on, you know, Wednesday or whatever it is, you know, Greg. So, yeah. Yeah. So we were looking at a, a day together to, to maybe just go out and ride and, you know, we're going to do that. So I've got a pretty full week, uh, this next CVMA race round leading up to it. And, um, and so, He's going to come out, I think, and do some writing, but he's great. And I, I thanked him for being on the podcast. He's like, Jay, anytime you guys want me on there, you just let me know I'm here. And uh, so I thought that was really nice of him. Yeah, I've been talking to him. I talked to Bobier and I talked to Garrett Gerloff about, you know, using some of our budget. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, our budget. Our budget, yeah. Our budget. And, yeah, whatever that is. And getting them some <laughs> microphones so they have yeah. them over in Europe so we can get a little bit better quality recording because – I want to touch base with all those guys. If you're curious about what we're talking about, Chuck Walla Valley Raceway is in Desert Center, California, which is uh, really, it's it's in the middle of the desert, but it's about yeah three hours, what, uh, east of LA, three hours west yeah. of, of Phoenix. And how how is the weather out there? I mean, this is uh, just, this is the time of year, isn't it, to be out there? I kind of laugh because come October, I think, all right, you know, we got to get through November, we got to get through December, and we got to get through January. Well, it's February, and we haven't had a bad day out there. Like, legitimately, I can tell you that, Every day that I've booked to ride out there, there's been, it's been perfect. It's legitimately been as good as it can be. So, um, and I know people think, oh, you guys talk about that place all the time. We talk about it all the time because it's the only place that you really want to go ride during the winter. I mean, I know for the East Coast, there's a lot of people that want to go to Jennings in the in the winter. Um, that said, Chuckwalla has just become kind of a destination for so many 
the CVMA race rounds out there are like mini nationals now. I mean, you are not going to find, you will not find a more competitive, better race series in the country than CVMA at Chuckwalla. You just, it's, people argue with it, but at the end of the day, the last race that we had, Greg, and you're going to see it for yourself, it was packed. I mean, it was like, there was so many people there, so many riders, so many racers, and and, and so many spectators. Um, it's It was incredible. And they run a really nice series out there. So it's not just the bias of me being out there all the time. It's a legit place. And when you come out, you'll, you'll see it's it's grown so much since you've been there. And um, it's a great place to go spin laps, turn laps, especially if you're somebody like Joe Roberts, who, you know, he's getting ready to roll out of here uh, to go tackle Moto2 World Championship. And looking for a place to go and um, get some riding in and, and Chuck Wallace is the perfect place for him. So the battle of the olds is going to happen at Chuck Walla Valley Raceway. If you're new to the podcast and the battle of the olds is pretty simple. It's myself versus a guy, friend of Jason's friend of mine named David Kolb who races out at CVMA. And I mouthed off a few podcasts ago about like, Oh my God, he finished his third in the formula 40 class, which is a class that's, that's designed for people 40 years old and older and by the way, the reason why you'd want to have that class is because... Wait, 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 wait. Is that, is that a dig? You said he finished third. You know he's won the championship, right? With an asterisk. I know. And he, he won He won last CVMA It Sunday. was COVID, though. So it's kind of like there's an asterisk <laughs> champion. There's an asterisk <laughs> championship. Dude, he called me last time, like last week podcast. He's like, man, you guys are so brutal on me. I'm like, what cold? So anyway, I'm going out there, battle the olds. Now, the good news, Jason, is, is that um, I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to go... I'll be there on Thursday, the 25th. So we'll have practice on Friday, the 26th. And then I'm going to race uh, on the 27th and 28th. I've got to get my license though. And I've got to get registered to the, you know, for the races. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward I'm, to it. I'm telling them you have to go back to the new racer school. <laughs> it's been well, so long. It's, look, I don't even know if you ever went. Yeah, I went. Ed Bargy. That was like my first yeah, thing well. in they should have failed you to start with. Right. And and it's been so long. I think a new racer school and a three-lap race on Friday afternoon would be kind of fun to watch. Just, you know, against everybody that's never raced before. A little added extra pressure just to see if you could handle your business. So Kolb and I are going to be racing against each other on his Kawasaki Ninja ZX-6Rs. But in addition to that, through Feel Like a Pro, which is feellikeapro.com, we're going to be racing Ninja 400s as well. And that's actually a program that you can rent these race prepped Ninja 400s. I believe they're in either Northern California or maybe even in Washington or something. So it's quite a haul for them to get down to CVMA, but that's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't, you know, ridden a Ninja 400 in race trim. I don't think ever. I've ridden plenty of <laughs> small ninjas on the racetrack. Remember the time that we were doing, what, what did I get? Was it a Ninja 400? 300 or something like that when i had to go uh, when we were at Bla uh, blackhawk farms that one week it was either that or a 250 i think it was a 250 i think it was a 300 it was, was so it? bad well, yeah it was i mean it was it was looked fun. like an 80 looked like was, an 80 <laughs> looked like i was eating a motorcycle mm -hmm. so well so that that should be a good time and and here's the thing though everybody so so jason and i are going to be out there in march which is the 26th through the 28th and then we have to jump on a plane on Monday, the 29th to get to Coda for the Moto America test. So more than likely, we're going to be doing a podcast from, we're trying to figure it out. I think Tuesday night we'll record maybe in the hotel room 
because we're busy at the track all day long with a bunch of Moto America preseason stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in the podcast then, Battle the Olds. But there's going to be a video component. People have been asking about that. There will be a video component, meaning a friend of ours is going to bring out some shooters. We're going to build video. And probably what we're going to do, Jason, this is where you, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but we're going to get somebody to stream like on probably like maybe my YouTube channel or my Facebook channel live during the races. And mm-hmm. so you can stand there and talk. So we just got to find, like, I'll give my <laughs> phone to somebody, log in, and then you can yakety yak at all you want. We'll, so we'll live stream some video too from the, the track. The longest race in history. See, Corb's, only, Corb's <laughs> got all the, he, he's got everything pushed onto his side. He's all about the 600 stuff. The 400 stuff, he's like, he's like, oh, he's so scared. He's just so scared. So Greg, I've got a couple little surprises for you that I'm not going to give up yet, but this is directly for you from me. So it, you're going to be good. This is this, it's going to be legit, and we'll talk about it as you get closer. What's the date you fly out here? Because you're coming out here early. We're going to get a couple days. You're yeah, going to get some time on the track gonna, at least. Right, I'll get a couple days to ride, and so I'm going to fly out on March 12th, and then we'll be attending the SoCal Track Days on the 13th and 14th, and then there's a couple days after that, at least Monday, yes. Yes. and then I think. As far as I know, Tuesday's up in the air. So yeah, so March 13th through the 15th, I'll be out to to knock the rust off because it's been a couple of years since I've a couple of years. When was the last time you actually? Well, what I use the term loosely. When was the last time you actually raced? Raced? Yeah, I mean, you never really ever raced, but you know what I mean. Like if like it looked like a race because there was flags involved. But when was the last time you did that? Uh, that would have been 2007 when I was endurance racing with Melissa Paris. Oh my God. Okay. And then the last time you were actually actively on a racetrack, when was that? It would have been Chuck Walla when I was part of that show. It's how you get there. So probably (laughs) two years ago, maybe. Okay. And and just give me just out of curiosity, give me the expectation here. What what are we planning on? What are we thinking we're going to do here? Like what like kind of lap time do you think you're going to run? Colb's got an updated 636 now for you too. Don't let him lie to you when you talk when you talk to him. He's going to try to put you on, you know, who knows what he's going to try to put you on. He'll, he it'd be like Colb to go out and buy like a 10-year-old bike and go, "Oh, this is the it's all updated. Take this one." You know, like I'm I've got your back here, G-Dub. What's our expectation? Uh, <laughs> I don't have one. Well, that's I, don't, a safe I, I, I honestly I, I honestly don't have one because my brain says to me, well, oh. let me let, let me bring let me bring Jeff White into this equation, my brother Jeff White, right? Jeff White over the last couple of years, I mean, last year was a little different with COVID, but in 2019 he did 53 track days, right? Yeah, yeah. Who now, could I, probably and he could smoke you by the way, your brother kid. I swear to God, dude, if this wasn't PG, I'd tell you to go F yourself, but I'm not going to. But anyway, <laughs> just being honest. I'm I'm your friend. I'm here for honesty. The point is is yes. that I used to teach at your school, as you know. So yeah, oh. I haven't been on an active racetrack, but I, I rode a lot. <laughs> Shut your yeah. face. Did I not ride a lot? You can't you lie and say you I haven't rode a ridden lot. a lot. No, you rode a lot. Yes. I Even when you raced, you rode. Yes. The one thing is, is I hadn't been on the track in a year. And then I went back to Chuck Walla and rode the the Ducati 999 or something. And the, and the new at the time, GSXR 1000. And I literally got up to speed in two laps. Like I was right back to the pace I normally was in two laps. What's your what's the pace though, G Dub? I mean, like, well, on a stock thousand with term. blinkers and headlights with the old surface, I think it was like 50, 55s or something like that. 50, right. 56, right. 55 ish. Right. Okay. 
I've so done. If we, 50- so if we so if we break two minutes, we're stoked. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. If I break two minutes on a 600 on a on a freshly paved track, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm okay. stoked. Well, I I could see that possibly. But, but hold on, I do have to throw this out before we got so much to do. By the way, everybody, yeah, we're gonna let you know we're as you listen to this podcast, we're going to talk about we have a Rye news. We're going to talk about Supercross Indy three, Supercross fantasy, and then we're going to have you know a little Q and A with with Loris Baz. I'm pumped on the Q and A, by the way, with Loris Baz. Yeah. Anyway, look. Anyways. We, yeah, okay. we're getting off. We're getting off. You know, we're going on this tangent. And we're going to be doing it leading right. up to it. But but yeah, here's the thing. My brain says. My brain literally says you it's haven't fun. been off the bike that long. You haven't been off uh-huh. the bike that long. Don't worry about it. Okay. Just, just work your way into it. I'm not saying I'm going to be fast, but I'm saying I don't think that I'm going to be 10 seconds off of where I'm going to end up once I knock the rust off. So we'll <laughs> see. But, but here's the thing. Dunlop has jumped on board and they're going to help out a little bit. But as part of that deal, when I come out for SoCal track days, I'm going to be on Dunlop Q3 pluses. They're then, great. then I'm yeah, they're, they're awesome. And then yep. I'll get on Q4s. Like maybe the right. last the last day when we're out there, I'll get on Q4s just to make sure that, you know, everything's set up because the, the Q4s are the same exact profile and everything as the current Dunlop slicks. So there may, I may yeah, I may race right on, on yeah. I may race on Q4s against Cole while he's on slicks just so I can have a built in excuse. I don't know yet. I've got to well, think about that. You're gonna like you're gonna you're gonna take all the analysis in from your your trip out, your 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 recon trip out here, right? Right. Yeah, I'll take all my notes. Uh, yeah, I'll hey, have Greg, all you weighed you, you weighed fifty pounds lighter probably. What what were you two years ago? Um, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't fifty pounds lighter two years ago. I was probably about the same as as I am now. Uh, a little little bit lighter, but yeah, not <laughs> just just shut your stupid face. Just shut I can't help. Let's go. What are we talking about? All right, so why don't <laughs> do why? <laughs> I mean, why do I subject myself to this torture? Not really punishment? sure. I'm I just don't. trying to make sure that the expectations you set for yourself get realized, and we don't. You know, if we say, "Hey, we're going to try to get under 204s," and we do 2039, that's a win. Why? You know do what I mean? Even, huh? I'm just saying. I, I and you'll Colby yesterday went his quickest lap he's ever gone around there, ever at a track day on a Tuesday. Did he break 52s? Is he on a, did he do 51? He didn't. He can't do 51s. I told you that. He can't do them. <laughs> what a great transition that's going to be into Arai News. All right. So, Jay, do you know that Arai helmets are lined with an antimicrobial material? Yep. The interior liner gives you odor resistance, dirt resistance, and those antimicrobials that you love so much that'll keep you fresher longer and you can enjoy a nice, comfortable ride in the latest Arai helmet. Go to AraiAmericas.com and pick what you like. Then head down to your local dealer for fitment. Grab yourself a new lid. AraiAmericas.com And yes, I have a new helmet coming specifically for Battle of the Olds. I can't wait to unveil that. It's just, I mean, it's just a normal paint job. But What about a that, suit? You got a new suit coming? No, I have a, no. I have a, I have an Alpine Star suit that's maybe five years old. <laughs> this is this is this is the whole thing about when I start working out, Jason, and start eating oh, better. Yes. Is is it's it's not really about the fitness on the motorcycle. It's just uh-huh. about zipping my zipper up in my suit. Oh, I know that's going to be a workout in and of itself. You're gonna, you know, if you have to burn those last fifty calories, that's how you're going to do it. Just getting in that thing, you know. Well, what I need is a I need a crew alone with a pair of pliers to you. do it. Old old Anthony Gobert style, dude. No joke. Old story, right? Anthony Gobert, the Go Show. He shows up to one of the last races I saw him in the United States, and he was so chunky. He he had his mechanic and another guy grabbing 
Like they had a freaking pair of pliers trying to zip up his suit. Oh. I was like, I've been there. Go show. Yeah. So anyway, For look, a long here, time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, how about this? We'll start you off with uh, 2013 Superbike champ Josh Heron set a Guinness World Record for the fastest elbow drag while riding a motorcycle. He pulled it off at Buttonwillow Raceway Park near Bakersfield, California. Recently, he put his Alpine Stars elbow slider on the ground for about 30 meters. Yeah, it's about 100 feet at 162.3 kilometers per hour, which is about 100 miles per hour. Mm. So way to go, Josh. Now, there was like a nine-minute video about it, Jay, for that, you know, couple of seconds. So I just kind of fast-forwarded to the end. But, yeah, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'd like to be in the Guinness World. I I keep, I'm so old, I want to say the Guinness Book of World Records, but apparently there's no book anymore. So it's just the Guinness World Records or whatever. But, I mean, I could be there for eating the most amount of uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You kind of beat me to that one. But, yeah, I agree. You could be in there for a couple of different reasons. So, yeah, that would be one of them. Kyle Wyman, winner of the 2019 Daytona 200, announced that he'll be defending his number one plate with the N2 team on a Yamaha R6. I will say this, Jay. Um, I don't know if you you follow Melissa Paris's Instagram, but she did say that Josh Hayes is not going to be racing the 200. He's got too many commitments. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that Melissa's got going on, obviously, with our podcast from last week with uh, the the Royal Enfield deal and yeah, yeah. the fact that she is getting ready to pop out another kid. I think she's due April 24th, something like that. Mm. So I think it just comes at a bad time. So I think what happened is, is because they didn't run the Daytona 200 for 2020, that they just took the entries and I think they carried over into 2021. So he's on the entry form, but he's not going to be racing. So I, yeah. from our standpoint- Such a bummer. It it is a bummer, but I think we'll eventually we're going to talk about the 200, and hopefully we'll have, you know, a list of riders that's a more solid entry list to see who's going to be there, and who's not going to be there. Yeah, for the Daytona 200, it'll be it. It's getting that time, so it's going to be fun. If you look at Kyle's uh, livery for that race, his bike looks great. I mean, his bike leathers, everything looks sharp, and and uh, I think you know when he won that race a couple of years ago. He was, I remember the red flag came out and it really benefited him, which was good because he had kind of gotten back there a little bit. He did tell me the story about it and I just can't remember it off the top of my head, but man, talk about take advantage of a great opportunity. And he just ran away from those guys at the end of the race. I don't know if you remember that, but he did. He just kind of like got away and got out front and he's ready to go for, uh, try to go defend that, that, uh, you know, that, that Daytona 200 title that he got. So it's great for him. Yeah, and go follow Kyle Wyman on on Instagram or all the social media because he's got a bit of an announcement that's coming up in a couple of days that I'm not saying anything about. All right, people have been asking me news about the M4XR Suzuki team. And, you know, as we get closer to the start of the Moto America season at the end of April, people have been asking me about it. All I can tell you is this: that news will will be dropping soon, either the end of this week, which is February seventh, twenty twenty one. If you're listening to this a couple of months down the road for some reason or the beginning of next week about their Moto America efforts. Be expecting news spanning three classes, JP, Stock 1000, Supersport, and Honos Superbike. So that that is about as much of a, I have news about no news report as I can give. Jay, the Kawasaki World Superbike team was scheduled to test today with Johnny Ray only at Jerez, uh, but we hear that weather kind of was junk and kind of sank that ship. It was interesting. I mean, that's the second time there, isn't it? It is. Like a time they've gone there and it's just been no good. It's been no good. And now uh, the teams are under these, you know, testing restrictions. So every yeah. day makes a huge difference. 
it was interesting because I saw a post on GP1.com and they kind of like, you know, Lowe's wasn't there and they kind of made it sound like it's a big deal, you know, but, but I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, they've tested individually before. Yes. Have you talked to Lowe's much at all? Nope. I, I, I did just the other day. We went back and forth a bit, but, uh, no, there was, I don't think there's anything behind any of that. I think, uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything really behind it. Alex told me he's going to be riding soon. So nah, he's yeah. excited about the year. Cool. And uh, how about uh, have you seen some of the livery drops for MotoGP teams? There's been new, you know, with the with the new bike for 2021, the new paint yeah. schemes and the new leathers and the new riders on the team. There's been some stuff that's been dropping over the last week, including uh, yesterday was a big one with Jack Miller on the factory Ducati, and, yeah. and he looked pretty happy in those pictures. If you man, saw man, he did that bike. Man, it just looks so big, doesn't it? When you look at it, it just looks so big. I, you look at that, and then. I saw, I think it was Juan Mir or, you know what? It wasn't him. It was, it was one of the technical staff at Suzuki um, that some, somebody retweeted pictures of the Suzuki for this next season. And it's got some, some places that they've built in on the tank for your, for your knees. So under heavy braking guys can use their legs a little bit more. And uh, cause I saw that that was, that was like the main reason for the post that they had talked about some of the the things that they did to that bike, but that just looks so trick. The Suzuki looks so good to me. Um, I've always, I always thought it looked good anyways, but I think it even looks better. The Ducati just looks like a spaceship program for me. I it just looks, it looks so big, but man, Joe did look happy in those photos along with Peko Bagnaya. I mean, those two guys, um, you know, I think, I, I think Jack's going to have a great year, but you know, that's yet to be seen. We'll talk about that as we get closer to, uh, you know, as we get close to the MotoGP season. Ducati's always been on the edge of technology. I mean, this bike kind of looks like a hammerhead shark if you look at it from some yes. angle. Too. Yeah. And it looks like a droopy cartoon character from God, I can't remember who it was. It, it just the way the front scoops look. But it is a it's some people are saying, Jay, that they think it doesn't look like a motorcycle anymore. They think it's ugly. I don't know. I, I kind of embrace the change and I understand what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I you know, ugly. I don't know if it's ugly. It just definitely does look different though, doesn't it, Greg? I mean, it just looks it just looks big and bulky. It, it's like everything that you think it wouldn't be is what it looks like. But obviously, they've done a lot of stuff in the wind tunnel, you know, ergonomics of the, everything. It just it just looks big. But man, um, I'm hoping they have a great year this year. It'd be good to see somebody like Jack Miller come in. Last year there was just so much stuff around Ducati with Dovey and all that, and I'm glad that's going to be in the past. Uh, so let's just hope that he gets that thing rolling. There you go. That's your news presented by Arai. Looking at round number three of Indy, okay, so uh, we know uh, the third round of Indy happened on Saturday night, which I believe, Greg, is round six, I believe it is. You are correct, sir. (laughs) I'm correct. (laughs) Uh, correct, Man, Kenny Roxon is on a roll. It looked like Cooper Webb was there to try to dash those dreams again. If you follow Supercross at all, you know that when Cooper Webb is behind Roxon, it hasn't always turned out the best for Kenny. Um, This year, he just looks like a different guy. He's controlling the pace. He's controlling the races and all that. Ken Roxon goes on and wins what would be his third in a row? Was it third in a row, Greg? Third in a row. Third in a row. He wins all three at Indy. Cooper Webb second. Marvin Muscan kind of gets gifted a little bit of a third there at the end. Malcolm Stewart, a tremendous ride for him in the fourth. Cian Cirillo fifth. I don't know what's going on with AC. It's like he's got the pace. You know, he fell again in the, in the heat. Um, but he gets halfway through these races, three quarters of the way. Once somebody goes by him, everybody goes by him. So, um, you know, uh, he ends up fifth, does it, Adam C. and Cirillo. Jason Anderson with his best ride of the year in sixth. Tomac, 
back there in seventh. Ferrandis eighth. Joey Savacci, nice ride for him in ninth. And Zach Osborne, your guy, ends up tenth. Um, you know, when you look at it right now, you just got to feel like it's Ken Roxon's year. He, he just seems to be controlling the pace at the front, making the least amount of mistakes. The thing about that when you look at Supercross, and this happens every year, you get that one guy who kind of rides up at the front and really just doesn't make mistakes, but then is capable of winning races. You can't really say that for anybody else right now. Webb is like that um, a lot of times, and he's just kind of sneaky because Webb qualifies 10th sometimes, and he obviously he's got the pace to win. Um, did you get to watch him? Yeah, I watched him. Yeah. Kenny's, Kenny's on fire, dude. I mean, it's just great right now. It's great. You know, what's really interesting though, Jay's you kind of brought up a little bit about, you know, how you can get people that are on streaks and, and, and just kind of dominate in motorsports. It seems prevalent. You know, if if I hearken back to Sunday and the Super Bowl that happened and this, this guy who's new to the sport, (laughs) Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. who was in his 10th appearance in the Super Bowl, won seven suit years, now won seven Super Bowls, which is by the way, Tom Brady's won more Super Bowls than any franchise has ever won. You know, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that you say it. And then someone was like, yeah, but, you know, listen, in NASCAR, you know, he gets to join this rider and, and this person. And I'm like, yeah, there's there's a few, you know, I think Hamilton's got seven now, right? I think Jimmy Johnson's got seven. But when you look at our sport, how many seven, how many seven-time champs can you name off, Jay? I mean, RC's won yeah. seven outdoors. Matt Maladden won seven AMA Superbike races. Yeah. Our seven championships, Valentino Rossi won seven MotoGP race, you know, championships. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny right. Ray, if Johnny Ray's on point, he's going to win his seventh world championship and yeah. world superbike. And so it kind of brought up a question for me. And because you're a stick and ball guy as well and a motorsports guy, I was kind of wanted to, th- I, know, I know it's in the middle of Supercross, but why do you think there are more seven-time champions in an individual sport like racing than there ever would be in a, you know, a team sport like that? I mean, well, I mean, team sports difficult. The thing that makes it like really great about like Rossi's accomplishments, right, is he's done that on a couple of different brands. To me, I think it's kind of cool. Like the thing when you look at even like Tom Brady this last weekend. The connection there was always it's going to be Belichick and Brady. And and the fact that he does it his first year, he gets traded off, he goes off to Tampa Bay on his own and wants to go down there. And then he does it first year out. That's pretty insane. And, and, you know, like you look at Marquez, he's been with Honda his entire career. And I think that's the, you know, a lot of people like, oh, well, it's just because he's on the Honda. It's like, no, he's, he's already amazing. Don't take that away from him. If he went and did it on a Suzuki or if he went and did it on something else, I think people are always looking for validation. You know, people are always looking for that. That, well, you know, it was easy for Brady because he had Belichick. And it's like, wait a minute. Now he just went and did it with a completely different coach, different roster, different team, different everything. It makes it pretty impressive. And it kind of, to me, Greg, look at it, looking at it makes me think a champion is a champion. Somebody like Tom Brady walks into your locker room. It doesn't matter who you are as a person. But as a player, you're like, well, okay, hold on. The whole level of this team has just been raised up to another notch. I mean, we got the GOAT, right? And I think that uh, that that's the mentality that gets brought along by guys like that that are just so amazing. Maladin did it all with Yosh, you know. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it any less um, uh, of an accomplishment. I think Ricky won three championships. I think he won all his. Ricky Carmichael won all his championships on three different brands. A uh, three, yeah, he did. He did. Honda, and I know Duke that and Cowie, which is right. like. And- 
And I, as I remember, Jay, he went perfect in outdoor. I'm talking about outdoor specific. He went perfect on a Honda. Or a Honda, won, correct. 26 all 24 Moto, 24, yeah. I think, wow, and 12 wow. overalls, obviously. And then he did it like a year later or two years later on a Suzuki. It's ins- it's that's inc- that, that kind of accomplishment is insane. Yeah, agreed. Now, for RC, I know for sure that he had Goose in his corner. Like, yes. you know, his, his same mechanic. The, the foundation in terms of that was the same. Whether, you know, Goose was able to massage Ricky and get him in the right place or if it was just a mechanic relationship, I don't know. But it's it's It's, it's the rest of the personnel, though, G-Dub. Don't you agree? Like, it's the rest of the personnel. I mean, you have front office people um, in, in all these contracts. You have front office and then you're going to have technical directors. You're going to have all these different people that change. So even if you bring one person into the mix, yeah, that's going to be a big deal. But, but when you when you yeah. look at it, it's like there's a lot of other moving ingredients to that. And and then, you know, getting back to the, the race winner this last week and Ken Roxon, you just look at all the stuff this guy's been through. Um, you know, we're, we're three years removed, two years removed from the, the, the injuries that he was having with his arm. And, and, and you think to yourself, that gets forgotten pretty easy. And now... He's this dominant rider, and you think of all the hard work and the personnel that he's probably got, gone through over the last three or four years because there's always revolving chairs and seats and stuff within teams and within organizations and manufacturers. And you know now it just seems like that that has gelled really well for him. Um, and it's taken you know a couple of years, but it's it's gelled. He seems to be on a run. Right now, Greg, he's at 138 points. <clears throat> he's leading by 14 points over Cooper Webb. Uh, Eli Tomac still in there at third. You know, we talked about AC. He's fourth in the championship. So he's, you know, maybe, maybe it's just for Adam. It's like, let's get a full season under the belt. Try not to get injured and, uh, and go forward in the 250 class. Uh, it was a really interesting race. Also, um, points leader, Colt Nichols, Greg had probably one of the biggest offs we've seen all year. And it's incredible because you sit there and you look at some of the accidents these guys have, and you think that's going to be bad. He jumped up. He, he led. He led off the start. Within after the first corner, um, he, he was uh, uh, jumping up a, to a step up onto a tabletop. Got it a little bit wrong. Ends up crashing really hard. Comes from dead last. Ends up third. Story up front though for Christian Craig was he needed those points. He needed a he needed a break, and he got it. Uh, he ends up winning the race over Joe Shimoda. Who I know is kind of turning into one of your boys because you take him in fantasy. I think um, <laughs> Japanese rider gets his best result of the year, ends up second. Nichols third, Oldenburg fourth. Jet Lawrence, who I mean, legitimately, when Colt Nichols got to Jet Lawrence, they had a huge battle, and uh, eventually Jet Lawrence ends up tipping off, ends up fifth. Osby Sales, Simonson, uh, Thomas Dew. And uh, and Luke Nice round out top ten. A little bit of a depleted series right now due to injuries of a number of the top guys. But Nichols is going to lead that championship now, one forty three to thirty seven over his teammate Craig Shimoda. There is back in third, and unfortunately for Jet Lawrence, missing that round, you know, one round ago, it's really taken him kind of out of the championship. He's there at one hundred and two points. But I mean, Colt Nichols is another one of those guys right now that looks head and shoulders above everybody else in this series. He definitely does. Do you yeah. want to go back and talk about the Colt Nichols trying to get around Jet Lawrence battle? And what that's what I said. I said it was great. I said it was a great battle. Are you not listening to me, Greg? Are you just not paying attention? No, no, no I'm listening to you, but I didn't know if you wanted to go into more detail <laughs> about it because there were a couple times. Yeah. That like the thing about Jet Lawrence for me is Jet looks like he's been on a motorcycle for ten years. Yeah. You know, at, yeah, at that level, he's going into left hand tight left hand corner. He's he's on the rear brake, just locked up the rear, and he's just looking over his left shoulder just to see where Colt's going to go. 
to park him and everything. And I, and initially I thought, man, if I was Colt, I'd be just all kinds of aggravated and angry. But then when we came back from commercial break, you saw the two of those guys sitting down on their butts in the dirt, uh, you know, Colt Nichols and Jeff yes. Lawrence having a conversation about it and they were smiling. So I thought, you know what, that's actually pretty good. But even though Jet Lawrence wasn't able to, to to put it on the podium, the the racecraft he had in those moments, in those few laps when Colt Nichols was trying to get around him, just seemed beyond his years. I was really yeah. impressed just with the way he handled that situation because he was he was toying with the dude. I mean, he was like literally just playing with him. And I was like, ooh, Jet. Yeah, you know, and the thing is in motocross, uh, you know, I mean, you see those guys break checking each other in corners and you know, they're all, they're all about like the cutback, you know, if you, you got to kind of keep an eye in back of your, you know, your eyes in the back of your head a little bit or kind of judging where you're going to go into, you know, those 90 degree corners. He was making it hard on Colt Nichols once he got there. I mean, it would have been interesting to see had Colt Nichols got, you know, got through him right away. What, what may have happened. He wouldn't have caught the leaders obviously, or but but Shimoda I think was going to be within distance and all that kind of got stalled. So Supercross this year, man, has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, gives us something to talk about on our Saturdays. So, uh, you know, I think where are they have to now, G-Dub? Do they go to Orlando? Orlando this weekend with no Tuesday race. So it'll be Orlando Saturday, followed by another one on, on the following Saturday. I miss the Tuesday stuff. I mean, when you sit there and you think about it, um, you know, you got to sit there and wonder, like, does, I, I know the schedule's gnarly. I know it's hard. I know it's taxing. But are there any of the minds that, it, you know, that within Supercross, they're thinking, you know, this might be not a bad thing. Cat- capturing a, a national audience on a Tuesday night at primetime, I mean, not a bad, maybe not a bad thing. So even if they did a Wednesday race or something like that at some of these venues. So let's lead off now and go right into our Pulp Fantasy. Since we're talking Supercross, Greg, we might as well talk about fantasy. Um, mm. For those that don't know, Greg and I, the last couple of years, we've been on PulpMXFantasy.com where we've built a league for our listeners and, uh, you know, obviously all of our friends, a lot of good smack talk, a lot of fun uh, to be able to do this. It's just um, I, I didn't get to see how I'm looking, Greg. I'm looking for you. Did you make it on the first page yet? Nope. No, Hold there's on. absolutely no chance I made it on the first oh, you page. You are so bad. Why are you so dude, bad at everything? Know, uh, you're 63rd. <laughs> you're 63rd. Last, That's- last year or last time we did. Hey, 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 I was hey, Chuck's in the behind you. I love this. Chuck is 71st. Chuck Ashland. This is like this is like stealing. Like I feel almost guilty. I maybe I'll take a couple of rounds off so you guys can catch up. What do you think? I think you're an asshole. That's Thank what you. I think. Appreciate I think that. you're a, you're a yep. shit talking asshole Love and you're that. stuck in you're stuck in P13, which I really like. I, I'm not P13. stuck anywhere. I was 26th and I jumped up to 13th. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you know the thing that sucked is I actually had a really good week this week, and I didn't jump up at all. I'm trying to catch my guy in front of me here, MG55 Gilbert, I'm trying to catch him, but I was a long way back. Uh, Greg, I'm I'm less than 100 points out of the lead right now. I've yeah, you're right. Hey, yep. and dude, I got to give a shout out again, Nick Siling, my boy. 80 point, 280 points last week. 280. Hmm. That's strong. But anyways. Schobert, 126, takes the lead, G-Dub. <laughs> takes the lead. You, you, you can tell I'm really in, into talking. Ah, about yeah, you suck at this. So I'm just going to – I'll do this part of the show for you because it – yeah. this. But this is what I don't want. See, your expectations in this were really high and you stink. And I, that's what I'm trying to prepare you for, for Chuck Wall. I just want you to keep them – just keep those expectations where they need to be. Uh, Schobert, one, Schobert, 26, takes the lead. 
over Poncho Huckle, uh, Hucklebuck Racing is in third on this thing. Uh, it's been fun because we've been seeing guys change at the top, kind of rotating in and around um, the top. It's a page you're not into, Greg, but our podcast uh, <laughs> listeners and stuff, there are prizes and things that can be won during this. Getting a new Arai helmet, I believe, at the end of the year for the yeah, winner. Yeah, new Arai helmet at the end of the year. And we actually got to give away some Moto America Live Plus subscriptions too. We, so we got we to do. do that. Yeah. We do. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these prizes at the end, but you know, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, so that's it. Pulp Fantasy Supercross. If you're not on there, you can still get on there and have some fun with us and keep an eye on what's going on uh, as far as what we do with this. It's uh, the other one too, you know, between you and me and Uncle Skip and uh, and our boy Chuck. Oh my God, I'm going to collect so much money from you guys this year. I'm leading that one. I'm just going to go out. And Dude, it. I need a job just to pay for me losing in fantasy. Yeah, you're you're just not very good at it. I wonder if there's a I, I anything there's with a- competition. It's, oh, that, really? Dude, you know what we should do? Like, we, we could literally do this. And this is something you could train for. Coney Island, July 4th, bro. What? You know what You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the hot dog eating hot Yes, dog. that's <laughs> that. Dude, why <laughs> don't we get you in that? Can you imagine? Bullethead White up there on stage just shoving hot dogs down his throat. I think, I think there's a lot of people that would get behind that. I'm busy that weekend. Uh-huh. I have a conflict. Uh, hey, I'm excited about this next part of our show. Uh, listen, uh, you want to talk about competition, all right? Forget you. I've been smoking you in Mad Skills Motocross every week oh, for the last. I've been played in eight weeks. Congratulations! All right, so I've been beating you for eight weeks. Uh huh. Great. Nice work. Fine. All right. Let's move on. Let Let's get back. Let's get back to some road racing stuff. Why don't let's we? Do it. All right. Yep. Please. Because some exciting news came across the wire announcing that MotoGP and World Superbike star Loris Paz, the Frenchman, will be coming to America to race a Warhorse HSBK Racing Ducati New York Panigale V4 in this year's Moto America Hono Superbike class. So some of you may have seen the video interview that I did with Loris um, about that announcement. But if you didn't, well, the good news is is that I actually talked to him in addition to that for the podcast. So first up, Jason Pridmore. Hey, Loris Baz, how did this entire opportunity happen? The first thing was a message, I think, on my email or Instagram. And uh, um, and then a phone call asking me if I was interested and where I was, if I already signed a contract in World Superbike. Unfortunately, I, I didn't. So at this time, I was um, I just told my manager at this call, and uh, and then we tried to you know to find a little bit more if um, it was uh, a good opportunity, maybe a good bike. That that was the first thing we tried to to understand if the bike was able to win. What was the target of the team? But everything been so fast after that. We understood that um, it was um, uh, a great team, great bike, and um, Ducati was interesting, uh, interested with this this project, and they, they want to win in America. So then everything been so fast. I think in 24 hours, I switched completely my mind from trying uh, desperately to have something in World Superbike to... Uh, having a big, big motivation to race in America and try to win there. So uh, it, I took it like a big challenge and uh, um, it was it was done. So, yeah, it's been pretty fast. I mean, if you've seen his social media, he is bought in to come into America. Yeah, no, it is. It's, you know, the thing is, is if you look on social media, you see these guys already hating on the guy, which just cracks me up. I think that it's hilarious that people go, oh, I can't believe they're not hiring an American. It's like, 
Are you guys kidding right now? Like, open your eyes. This is the best thing that could happen for our series. It's going to give us more exposure. Loris Baz comes over here, not as a guy that people are looking at as a has-been. He simply just didn't have a seat. This guy is still capable of winning World Superbike races and being up in the top three. World Superbike is so hard right now. But the fact is, is that Tenkate, the team that he rode for last year, just legitimately hasn't got the funding at the moment to go World Superbike racing. Now, that could change. But they didn't want to hold him hostage, it sounds like. And he had this opportunity come up. Loris is probably looking at this as a, as a way of thinking, if I go over there and I do well, along with this Ducati and uh, his involvement also, I've heard some things with this deal that Ducati Course is very involved with Loris as well. Um, the thing that is, is, is that he's looking at it like this is going to be a, a way for him to get back to World Superbike possibly. You, you the fact that he's here is great. I love it. I think it's amazing. He's done some posts with the American flag, and I've heard people, you know, have one draped over him. And the one that you saw just the other day where he's in bed and he's dreaming about being here and, um, and people are hating on it. It's just, it's like, look, I'm excited the fact that he's coming here. The writers that are here in America are excited that he's coming here. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Like I told you, G-Dub, I've, I think I've met Loris once in a world, world endurance. He was very, very young. Um, he wouldn't remember me or know me from Adam, but I definitely remembered him. He left an impression on me back then. So to have a guy like that that we can mark our writer's skills against, I think is incredible. He's only 28 years old. Yeah. He's got no wash up in him yet. Nope. He hasn't really found his groove with a team, you know, uh, you know, time after time, but he's won World Superbike races. He's podium finisher, like you're saying. And And you're right, Jay. I've talked to plenty of top guys that he'll be racing against this year. And every single one of them is like, we're pumped he's here. We're pumped this year. More competition, the better. Nobody shies away from competition. Nope. So yeah, anybody who's trashing it saying, oh, American, you, you, maybe you should rethink your strategy. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I understand it. I, I think, Jason, that... Greg, what would happen if no if no Italian or Spanish teams or whatever ever... I mean, Garrett Gerloff's over there in World Superbike. I mean, uh, Joe Roberts now is riding for the team that won the World Championship last year. I mean... They could have hired riders from their own country as well. They hired Americans. That's what we want. We want to see more Americans get over there. So you got to look at it. we got the American racing team that hired Cameron Bobby. That's great. But they still have um, – God, and I'm just drawing a blank right now. Uh, Cameron's teammate. I'm just drawing a blank. Ooh, Anyways. Uh, Marco Ramirez? Yes, thank you. You're He's welcome. not an American guy. American team no. hired him. The thing is, is it doesn't matter what nationality you're from. Let's go get the best guy that we can get for the job. And in this case – with whatever ties he has, this was the best opportunity for him, and that's to come to America and ride a Ducati. Great. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. The other part of the equation, Jason, is that I think with American racing in the United States, there was a gap of people, young talent coming up through the ranks. I think if you look at this day and age, we have a bunch of young talent that right now is racing in Junior Cup, Twins Cup, and in Supersport. They're not quite ready to make the jump into Superbike to, you know, guarantee the speed that Aloris Baz will, but they're coming. So yeah. yeah, okay, I get it. You know, like you think you want an American hired an American team, and I totally understand that that point of view. I don't agree with it. I'm more along your point of view, Jay. But I think if you just give it a couple more years, Moto America's goal of of building these champions, you're going to see some of the riders that we're talking about in these. Other classes, smaller displacement classes, are going to be the ones that are ready to get onto a superbike. So 
from that standpoint, yeah, I, I, whatever, dude. I totally agree with you. You know yeah. what I mean? But I think it's I think it's great, and I think it's fun. I just get tired of hearing all the haters and all their. Crap, yeah, I know. I totally get it. And you know, dude, me nuts. I mean, find find a pot. This guy's given us no reason at all to have any kind of negative. I mean, it's just uh, it's all positive. A lot of those rides, a lot of those rides in World Superbike and other places, even top guys, they have to bring in personal sponsorships. I mean, yeah, totally. and if you don't have that, there's a there's a number of guys that don't have that big money sponsorship in every series around the world, not just ours, not just World Superbike. So if you get a guy like Loris Baz that's going to get a chance to come right in America, that's great for us. I mean, it's awesome. It's going to give you and I something to talk about. And um, it brings another brand that's really going to come in. Now, I feel bad for Zanetti, but when you look at it, Loris Baz, if he's on the table, you scoop him up. Agreed. I totally agree. And maybe there'll be an opportunity for Zanetti to come back. He did a great job. But... Look, Jay, you know, the bottom line is, is that with Cameron Bobier gone to Moto2 this year, I feel, I still think that Moto America Paddock is, is stacked with plenty of talent. You know, you have the likes of Bobby Fong and Jake Gagne Correct. and Matthew Stoltz and, of course, Josh Heron in there. And that's just to name a few. So I was curious in talking to Loris if he's familiar, you know, with the people he's going to be racing with in 2021 and who he thinks he'll be racing against. I think all the guys that, that were in front last year uh, – going to be in front this year of course Cameron leave the championship so I think everybody sees like the, the big opportunity he was dominating this championship so I think all the riders will see that as an opportunity to 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 win you know like uh, when Marquez was not here last year everybody everyone went crazy and said okay we can be world champions so it will think it is the same I think Josh Erin will be really fast because he's back on 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 a great bike after a tough year um, also, Bobby, because he did a really good season last year. I've been talking with him a little bit. Uh, it's it's a rider I really like, and uh, I think he, he's going to be fast because he learned a lot of things last year. Also, the team did. Jake Gain, of course, because I know him. I, I raced with him in the past. Also, I, I've raced with uh, with Josh Aaron in the past in Laguna Seca, and we had big battle, and I know he's someone who never give up, and uh, that's going to be... A, uh, I, I'm sure it's going to be a fun guy to to fight who is on track. I like the perspective from the standpoint of it is kind of like that. Marquez is out with an injury. Everybody goes, well, world championships wide open. And now mm-hmm. that's what we're looking at here in America with the exit of Cameron Bobier. It just makes it so fun. And that's like the the one guy. It's so great because I, I always think about this. It's like the one guy that, you know, we don't ever really hear that I think is going to be a guy that's going to be hard this year is Matthew Skultz. And, and, you know, I think if Matthew's healing up, like I hope he is on that Westby Yamaha, I think this is going to be a deal where they're going to look at it like this, this is our season. And everybody's talking about Lars and everybody's talking about all these other guys. But I think if Matthew um, comes here and he has his head on straight, he's going into his third or fourth year, I believe with that team, Lot. There. I mean, when you look at it, Greg. When you look at, it, I was thinking about this last night on my drive home because I, I had a late night last night. And I'm like, when you think about it, that guy's been on a team for the longest now. Matthew Skultz is kind of he's he's been on this team and and a tall rider, much like Loris Baz. But I think he's going to be hungry as well. So you know, there's going to be guys that are that are going to be ready to go over here when Loris gets here. So and it's cool the fact that he's educated himself a little bit on the series and he knows some of these guys. And again. You look on social media, these guys have reached out to him on through his posts, just kind of say, hey, looking forward to having you get over here and that kind of thing. So it's nice now. It is nice now. It'll be it'll be fun when we get Dakota and get that first test under our belt. It kind of see where things are. 
And Jay, the thing is, is there's riders that are coming into Hono Superbike that you and I both know about that we can't talk about yet because there's been no official announcement. So the talent pool is going to be even deeper than what we're talking about. And uh-huh. that's, that's yep. pretty, it's pretty exciting. Yep. All right, look. Yep. So Jay, what about tires for Loris Baz? They're always a big deal. I mean, it seems to have ruined the MotoGP career of Andrea Davizioso's love for riding. As for Loris Baz, He's been in a variety of different championships over the span of many years, even though he's so young. And he's sampled many different tire brands, even though the Dunlop tires raced in the U.S. are made here in the U.S. So he wouldn't have any experience on those. I was interested to hear how much experience he does have on Dunlop rubber. Uh, basically known because I, I did I did one race in German Championship ten years ago on on, on uh, with Dunlop. That's the only race I did with. But then I've been uh, yeah, I don't see it as a big challenge. Of course, it's it's the main thing to to go fast. But I've been riding nearly every kind of tire that you can imagine in my life. Uh, I've been racing the Pirelli in World Superbike. Uh, to the Michelin and Bridgestone in MotoGP that are the opposite tire to the to the Pirelli. And then I've been riding also in endurance a lot where you have completely different uh, philosophy about tires because you have to uh, you have tires pretty hard that have to um to keep the same grip for a long time. So <coughs> the main thing is to to fi- to find the right setup of the bike with the team and the guy you work with to try to understand what the bike and how you need to ride and they need to explain you also what they see through the data and how you need to set up the bike for those tires. But that will be the process we need to do uh, on the winter test. Uh, so I'm not so worried about that at the moment. I know that you think that I make a bigger deal out of tires than there really should be as you as a former racer, but I was just curious about it. No, I think it's a great question, but Greg, when you're at the level that these guys are at, it's look, if you worry about the tires before you get on them, you're already putting yourself at a deficit and he doesn't have a choice. So he's, it doesn't matter. Like anybody that's in a controlled, uh, you know, uh, series now tire wise, which is around the world. Um, you, you go there knowing that, okay, this is what I'm on and I've got to make it work. And it doesn't matter who you are, or where you are. Tire wars, tire issues have been a thing since, I mean, for as long as you can remember, some guys adapt, some guys don't. Um, tires are probably the least of this guy's worries. There's a lot of other things he's going to be thinking about. Of course, tires are what connect you to the ground. So he's going to want to make sure he comes up with a setup, but, um, that's going to make him happy and make him good, but he's got enough people around him and the tires are great. So he's not going to have those big issues. I don't think. And, uh, he's just going to get on with it. Yeah. I just think though, that when you go to from 99% or 98% to 99 or 99 to 100% in terms of the limit of the tire, that it's that learning curve that he's, he's going to have a little bit of, you know, he'll be able to go out really, really fast. But yeah, there is, there are different characteristics. The Pirelli over the years has seemed to be stronger in the front tire with its feel, a little bit weaker in the rear. The Michelin is stronger in the rear. In the front, the Dunlop tends to be a very balanced tire, but definitely drive is a characteristic, you know, the rear tire of a Dunlop. So that's all I was thinking about is when you get up to that very little, you know, last percent that I've never been able to get to, that there is always a bit of a learning curve in terms of how far can you push it. But getting back to Loris, you know, pending getting travel, you know, from France to the United States sorted out, the plan is to have some test days on the Ducati Penigale V4S uh, beginning at the end of February or the R, I guess, 
Uh, also, he said that he's been talking to the team about getting a street bike to do some track days so he can get familiar with many as many of the tracks as possible. But what about the V4R? You know, I didn't think he had experience on it, but it seems, as he's seen, that it's a pretty raceable motorcycle over the last two years. And with that observation, I was like, so what are your impressions of the motorcycle you'll be racing in 2021? No, I, I never rode the bike, but I know it's super fast uh, in every series that the bike ride. Uh, and um, yeah, what uh, what is really good for me, it's the power of the bike, of course. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I'm pretty tall. I'm exactly the same size as Scott and the, the same weight as Scott Redding. And uh, for tall guys like us, the, the, the good thing is when you can have the, a fast bike. So at least you don't lose on the straight. Or not so much, and then uh, you don't have to fight like a crazy dog on every break to catch what you lose on the straight. And uh, for two years, I've been riding one of the slowest bikes in in the straight in the World Superbike, so I had to fight a lot. Um, and I know for the experience that every time in my career when I had a fast bike on the straight, I was pretty fast, even in MotoGP and Superbike when I could get the the speed on the straight, not faster than the others, but at least the same speed as the others. Then. Um, uh, I can concentrate on riding clean and not fighting too hard. So that's what excited me about, um, about the Ducati. And the bike is just superb. Uh, it's the best looking bike. When the bike came out, I remember I looked the bike and I was, what was this thing? So I never had the op- opportunity to try it, but I'm really looking forward to it. In terms of racers, Jason, you were always on the taller side of a lot of the competition not as tall as Baz he's six foot four and you're yeah. what around six feet tall six foot so, I mean Corey Alexander's six four so it's you yeah. look at you look at Corey you look at Lars Baz as well and, and again Greg this is a thing where he's on the right bike for him like you hear him say the Ducati's obviously been a fast bike it's notarized as that um he can't do anything about his size he's been competitive everywhere he's gone he's not that he's not been competitive he's when he went to MotoGP he didn't have the best bike best ride so um he went there, you know, from the Kawasaki factory team that he was on uh, in Superbike. He was young then, obviously very, very young. Uh, World Superbike race winner, though, uh, then. Um, so the the Yamaha the last year or so, if you watched, uh, last year specifically, if you watched, it was definitely down on power for him. Um, but but he still made it work. I mean, there was a lot of qualifying sessions that he would go into um, into their qualifying sessions as the fastest rider. So, uh it, you know, the Ducati is just going to be a step up and he's going to be able to, like he said, he's going to be able to look at somebody like Scott Redding and see what they've done and what he's done on that Ducati. And he's going to be able to uh, draw those um, nuances that, that he probably feels that are going to be the same benefactors for him on that bike. Mm-hmm. So what about 2021? Of course, Jason, I asked him, cause this is what I do. Like, what are your goals for the season? Oh, the goalie, the goal is pretty easy. And I think uh, I would, I would, receive a call straight away if I was saying something else uh, from Bobby and all the guys. Uh, the target is to win. The goal is to win. And, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of um, sacrifice and a lot of things to change for me to, to, to move there. Um, I know it's, yeah, it's going to be hard and I, I know the, the guys are going fast. And uh, uh, so I'm not taking it easy and it's not, um, I have a lot of respect for the guys there, but um, yeah, I want to, I want to win. So I know, I know, what I have to do to win, I know how fast I have to ride to to win, and I know I have to be at the same level as I was in World Superbike when I was fighting in front. If I want to win there, but uh, yeah, that's the the only target I have in mind. You wouldn't expect anything less, though, would you, Greg? I mean, that's no. what he's going to say. I mean, you know, on on there's going to be some 
you know, politically correct statements that he's going to have to say, uh, you know, to, to, to get people involved and get people interested in this and that on the flip side of it, he's just coming over here for one reason. He wants to come over here and win. And, and I think that goes without saying of any top rider, you want to go wherever it is you're going to go. You want to go dominate. You want to go win because you want it to propel you to whatever that next step might be. The other thing too, is when you look at what Ducati's done, even in world Superbike now, even though Ducati's presence in world Superbike has always been great. Um, right now, it seems like the machinery that they're putting out, even for the teams that are not factory teams, um, the the level of equipment there has has raised up. So, you know, the Tito Rabats and the Chaz Davis, you know, those two guys this year aren't on the factory team, but we know the spec bikes they're going to get. Um, it, it just just opens up more opportunities for for our riders as well as Loris Baz coming here to America. So, um, you know, he's he's obviously wants to win the championship. And, you know, Jay, with Cameron Bobier leaving behind a slew of, like, track records, both outright and in-race, which, by the way, we do look at both because for those that maybe are listening for the first time, when you're in qualifying with a time attack, you do certain things to the bike, maybe suspension-wise, reduced fuel load, and a brand-new tire. So we look at outright lap record in terms of normally qualifying and then in the race. But anyway, I was curious if Loris feels... Like he'll, you know, kind of like be chasing Cameron Bobier's ghost, or if he thinks about any of that stuff at all. Honestly, I'm I'm not the guy that focuses a lot on qualifying, track record, all this thing. The the the, the main thing that I love is to to race when the the red light red light goes off and we can then race. So um, I will focus a lot on winning races and and do everything I can to win this championship instead of thinking about. Um, track records or pole position or this thing. It's already a, a lot to do to win this championship. So uh, we, we, I'll focus on that. I can't have that as a commentator. I need him to be thinking <laughs> about track records. <laughs> I know. He is. He is. But he's not. Look, he's, he's obviously a respectful guy, and he doesn't want to just make it seem like the, that Moto America Championship is a step backwards for him. He doesn't want that to be how he feels, and it's not. And the championship's tough. And he knows, he knows how fast Cameron Bobier was. So the safe one is, look, I want to rack up more points than anybody this year and win the championship. If lap records, if overall track records through qualifying come in uh, and I get those, great. But at the end of the day, Greg, if he wins the championship, that's all people are really going to care about. Now, from the perspective of you and I, that's kind of what we feel like people are going to be measuring all of our riders on, not just Lars Baz. But the Herons and the Skolts, Gagne's, Fongs, all these guys that are racing um, in our championship, we are going to be looking and pulling continuously what Cameron did from the year before, knowing what he did in 2020. So we're going to do all that uh, from a commentator's perspective. But, you know, Greg, you, you would trade a championship all day. Even if you didn't get their lap records everywhere, winning a championship is, is the most important thing there is. And I think that this is going to open up more opportunities for guys overseas and, and as our series hopefully continues to grow, um, if we get more manufacturers involved, um, this could open up some other seats. Uh, even for I, Greg, you remember what it was like back in the day. There were so many guys coming over from other parts of the world and uh, our series was very global. It was very global. Mm-hmm. I mean, a slew of people from Australia came over, as we know. Yeah. And especially for them, it was beneficial because it was like a, for every dollar you earned in the U S it was, it was earning two Australian dollars. And so 
they were absolutely crushing it. And they brought over with them a slew of talent, kind of like what we see, you know, for like a guy like Matthew Skultz and then Cameron Peterson, who won yeah. the Stock Thousand Championship. You know, you're getting talent and and normally that talent associates with themselves, you know, as a guy who's been a backmarker, nobody really talked to me when I was a backmarker, but us backmarkers talked amongst ourselves, <laughs> but you know, you fast guys would talk to each other anyway. Yeah, thanks, well, Loris yeah. Baz. How, how did I make this about me again? Thanks, Loris Baz right. for joining us as always. I'm looking forward to having him in the paddock finding out when we, we we're communicating like he's such a nice guy. So we've still been communicating with WhatsApp and everything else. So um, hopefully we'll get some news from the team when he gets to the States and he's able to test here. And hopefully a few weeks, you know, as he was indicating, I thought I saw something. Was it just a joke or something yesterday? Cause I thought I saw something with him testing already. And I'm like, huh? Like, it no, didn't no, make no. Sense. yeah, I saw that too. It was on Instagram. And yeah, it looked what was like, that all about? I think that was, I don't a even know where I, I don't even know where I saw it. It was on Instagram and then, and then Moto America reposted it, uh, I think today on Instagram and it was it like a head on like shot with him yeah. on a bike. And it looked like either they Photoshopped him on the bike or they Photoshopped the bike out and then put the Ducati in there because I, he hasn't been on yeah, that bike okay. yet. He had, yeah. Yeah. So thinking, that was, where's this at and what's it all about? I didn't get it. So yeah. yeah. So Jason Photoshop is a, is a, is a Thanks, well, computer-based program. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. It's cute. Yep. Mm. Hey, listen, on next week's show, Jason, we're going to talk, of course, about Supercross and, of course, about how well I whip your ass in fantasy next week. Oh, now, nor- <laughs> normally I'd tell you what guests we're going to have on next week. But, Jay, honestly, um, like we're waiting, like I said before, for announcements and some other stuff. And mm-hmm. so we do have a good lineup of people that want to come on the show and talk about what's going on for 2021. And we'll have all that in store. And I'm excited about it. But for now, we're not going to tell you who's going to be on next week. If you're new to the podcast, by the way, some weeks, Jason and I are not going to talk to anybody because there's going to be so much racing going on in one weekend. Yeah. Especially those weekends where we have MotoGP, World Superbike, Moto America, Motocross, Flat Track, all that kind of stuff. So this is actually a really good treat for us to be able to talk to so many people uh, during you know, this time of year before we get racing going on. You yeah. Look ahead. Yeah, no, man. I, I think that uh, moving forward, uh, it, it is we are in that time. We got two hundred coming up, and um, and I know there's going to be some testing overseas and 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 so on. So there's still going to be a lot of things, obviously, for us to talk about as it starts to ramp up. Went through a lull there at the end of December and into the early months, early weeks of January, but there's a lot of things happening. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get Joe back on the on the podcast again before he heads overseas. And um, yeah, go from there. Yeah, a look ahead to the weekend's race calendar. Supercross is in Orlando Saturday night for round seven. And like I said earlier in the podcast, that's going to be a Saturday race. No Tuesday race, you know, coming up that week. Also, AMA East hair scrambles in Union, South Carolina. And the NGPC, which is the National Grand Prix Championship Series in California. That's some fun competitive off-road racing. Tears up Taft, California for their second round. Anything else you'd like to add to this? Amazing podcast as I dream about Battle of the Olds and oh, start to look at a lap time. Now we're going to have a blaster and all that. Thanks to everybody, obviously, for listening. Uh, always fun getting your comments and uh, your your messages and things. So see you all next week.